Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. This program is brought to you by all of Community Services. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect, but as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here is Phyllis Amon. Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, presenting informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amon, your host. The show, which began in September of 2019, was formerly known as Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, and the library of all of the episodes can be found on the Voice America Empowerment Channel under the name Seniors Straight Talk, and they can also be downloaded on popular podcast platforms. The show is also now syndicated on the Voice America Influencers channel. So please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. And for those listeners who are in what I call SOS mode, stressed, overwhelmed, and stretched, watch out for my upcoming five-day caregiver distress recovery challenge, helping caregivers find a path to bringing much-needed self-care into their daily routine. It features empathy, a word I've trademarked, teaching self-care, self-kindness, and self-compassion strategies that will help you feel recharged and re-energized as you face life's challenges. Family members considering taking on the role of caregiver or those just beginning the caregiver journey can find valuable information in my course, A Caregiving Guide for Caregivers, The Basics. And my latest book, Dignity and Respect, Our Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve is available on Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats. The book addresses critical information about how we care for and treat our elder citizens in our families, our communities, in nursing homes, and assisted living residences. And I'm honored that Bill Thomas wrote the foreword for the book, who I'm proud to say I just met yesterday, and it was a wonderful conversation. I hope you'll purchase a copy and encourage your friends and colleagues to do the same. I'm hoping to have an audio version of the book in the near future. So I appreciate your support and hope you'll help spread the word on this all important topic. Seniors Straight Talk is very proud of the collaborative partnership with the Pass It On Network, a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates and a member of the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Aging. Seniors Straight Talk and the Pass It On Network continue bringing listeners informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. And I'm so glad to have Olive Community Services, a nonprofit organization in Fullerton, California as a sponsor. Olive Community Services is dedicated to providing culturally appropriate services to the diverse senior population. And before we begin, I have to thank Peter DeGear of DeGear Therapy Services, who is a colleague and consultant specializing in rehabilitation therapy services in nursing homes. And now for today's guest. Carrie Kikeffer is the Director of Marketing and Communications for Miravita Living in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. She brings a unique perspective to the organization gained from her background as a freelance marketing consultant and 20 years of experience in both marketing and communication roles. She has a wide range of skills, including website development, graphic design, company branding, and communication strategies. And her combination of professional services is balanced with her work as a volunteer and her commitment to coaching high school athletics. 
So Carrie is here today to speak about the innovative programs at Miravita Living, and especially those that were implemented during the pandemic. Miravita is an example of what is possible when applying a creative mindset. So I'm so glad to have you here today, Carrie. Thanks, it's an honor to be here. I'm so excited that we can talk about this and the importance of connecting um, families and friends and communities to our elders. Yeah, so uh, let's start by talking about that. I'm, everybody is well aware of the, the impact the pandemic had on isolation and loneliness for people in, um, in not only in their own homes, but in nursing homes and assisted livings. And maybe we should actually start out first having you tell us a little bit about Miravita because Miravita is a, a continuing care community and we can tell our listeners what that really is. And I know that Miravita has two wonderful greenhouse homes on their, um, on their, um, in their community. And that's Bill Thomas's, um, you know, that, that really came from Bill Thomas and that's his brainchild. So I'm so thrilled to know that you have two greenhouse homes on your property. We do. Yeah. Our campus um, houses about 700 um, residents and you're right. It's a continuum of care. Um, There are multiple buildings serving these different communities, everything from independent living. We have memory care, rehabilitation, skilled nursing facility, assisted living. And then of course, as you mentioned, those greenhouse homes, which if you're not familiar with them, um, yes, I'm sure Phyllis can speak um, to them and, and, and Bill Thomas's, um, you know, the information he provides in his, in his readings um, will give you a little insight. Our CEO actually is an advocate of those. Teresa Bertram um, brought those to our campus a few years back and they've been incredibly successful. So it's just a different thought um, process and a different philosophy uh, and living environment for a skilled nursing um, opportunity. So that is a little bit about uh, Miravita. So certainly we were serving when, you know, during the pandemic, we were looking to serve a whole range of individuals who had different capabilities um, with technology and, um, and just in their ability to communicate on their own. And then those that needed some um, guidance and assistance in order to reach those families so that we could eliminate or minimize isolation. Oh, so, in that process, you know, what did you find out about how you can bring everybody together in a way, those that didn't have much uh, technology experience and help them along the way, and then those that, that did have more technology experience? What, what, was the, um, what were the collaborative opportunities there? Oh, that is a great question. That's actually where our journey kind of began. Um, we, we certainly recognized the need very quickly. As soon as those doors closed and, and visitors weren't allowed, we went, okay, we have got to shift our thinking and find ways um, to connect people. Um, there's no way we weren't intended to live alone. We just weren't. We were intended to live in community and with communication. So, The first step there was a lot of social listening. And we did that both um, by inviting families to communicate with us through our website, just a simple email. But we also did a lot of invitation um, for some social listening and invitation for conversations to happen on our social media platforms. We were very, very intentional about putting out communications from our end. Here are the boundaries. These are the guidelines we're receiving. We were very transparent. Here are the obstacles. Um, Where are your needs? 
asking families, what, what are those needs? Um, how do we fill those? Um, and they came to us, they shared, they shared the problem. They shared where those gaps were. Um, you know, I used to come and get grandma to come to all of our birthday parties and that's not going to be there. How can we make her um, feel that love and that connection to our family? Um, simple things like, you know, I used to stop by every day. How can I fill that gap? where, um, you know, recognizing where those voids were by doing a lot of that social listening was that first step to understanding what technology we needed to seek and to teach to our elders so that we could, um, we could close those gaps. So I think what you just said is so important. And I think it's really terrific that what you did was reach out to the families and ask them what they thought the needs were and how you can help them. I, I don't, I, I shouldn't say I don't think, but of the facilities that I know, mm -hmm. I don't know that they did that. They mm -hmm. may have just, you know, set up family visits through FaceTime or I'm thinking, I mean, do I know for sure? No, I'm just talking about the ones I know. I'm not saying that there are other buildings out there that, you know, did other things. Sure. But I think that what you said is really critical, uh, not only during the pandemic, but how do we reach out to families and ask them, how can we help them? How can we serve their needs mm -hmm. when their loved one is in our community, whether it's a nursing home and assisted living, uh, not just saying this is what we provide, this is what we do, but how can we help you? How can we serve you? I think that's just that in, in and of itself is a different mindset. Yeah. You know, and what's interesting there, you're right. Asking families and hearing what they had to say, because it would be easy for us to just assume, okay, we have to replace the phone call, you know, with, with FaceTime. But there was more to it. What, what was happening and what, were, um, what was in those relationships and what was filling that mind, body, and spirit and keeping our elders healthy um, that they were gaining from those visits and how are we going to find a way to creative re creatively replace that. What we found there too was we went to our elders and sought out what, what relationships are our elders missing? Because we were quick to assume they were missing those relationships with their children, their grandchildren, but we, we learned we can't dismiss that community, their neighbors, the people they live next door to. So not only were we trying to close a gap of using technology of, um, of that missing conversation with their loved one um, who lives outside our campus, but how do we maintain that connection? These are people they worshiped with every, every week. They would go to worship every week and now they don't get the, the update and they're not sitting around the tables together talking. So there were different levels of relationship networks that we had to consider as well when we implemented these pieces and these technologies. And that is, is so great to hear because I don't, again, know if that really was given that much consideration in a lot of places. I'm not saying it wasn't, so I don't want mm -hmm. any listeners to think that nobody that I'm saying nobody did that. I'm just saying of of the many of the people that I know, mm -hmm. I don't know that that happened. That consideration or that consideration was really given to that fact. 
What are we going to do to supplement that? To me, it seemed more like, well, people are in their rooms and that's it. And uh, tell people they have to stay in their rooms. And I I don't know how much education went on in terms of telling people why they had to stay in their rooms. I can't say. I don't know. Um, And it could be a confusion issue also. People don't Mm -hmm. understand or they don't remember. I mean, I've had people um, not remember why Mm -hmm. they are in their rooms or why their loved one has to visit from a window. But I don't know that as a general rule, a lot of that happened. And I'm glad to know that. And that's why I'm speaking with you to give people a different viewpoint of what is possible and what people, what would be a better practice? I don't want to say best practice, but what would be a better practice in this situation? Yeah. So let me just, if it's okay, I'll walk through what those relationship networks were that we can Oh, that would be perfect. Yeah. And then we can talk about some of those solutions, a few of those tools that we, we implemented. So we recognize that the elder had relationships that were really core relationships that kept them healthy, their spirit in particular, healthy. And um, those were with family, meaning their children and grandchildren, with friends, both in the senior living community and outside the senior living community, and also the relationship with staff. That elder relationship with staff was, was really critical because now they the staff were the ones, as you mentioned, who is, who is telling these elders why they need to stay in their rooms. So we needed to align the messaging that came from the family on the phone and that came from our staff. So there was comfort in that. Those people who are influencers in our elders and our residents' lives, we needed those to align. So we needed our messaging and our communication system to really be um, consistent across the board. So everybody was sharing that same message. And then we also recognized that the organization, and this is kind of overflows into that, um, our organization, Miravita Living, had to make sure that our relationship with our elders honored their and met them where they were at. Like you said, sometimes um, memory is, is an issue, but for those um, fully comprehending and making decisions for themselves, we needed to make sure that we were um, using resources to communicate what was going on, why it was going on, and so that there wasn't that confusion or that fear um, and that we could rewrite that narrative. Um, and so then the next step was, of course, identifying communication platforms to satisfy each of those relationships. Because like you said, the technology and the information um, could be conveyed, but who is on what platform? Some right. people are loving their computer and an app and on a mobile and someone it printed out. So um, figuring out the best way to, uh, to reach our audiences was part of this building the tools process. So um, I have a question about the availability of devices mm-hmm. because there are many buildings that didn't have enough devices for these interactions, these connections. I actually started a GoFundMe. It, it, didn't really, it wasn't really successful. I, I really don't know why, because I, I had this idea long before the pandemic. I had been talking about it for a couple of years, how people could enjoy dinners together, holiday dinners through FaceTime, but that's a separate issue. Mm-hmm. But um, then I believe the government, um, they, were, uh, they allocated a certain amount of funds for facilities uh, to get devices through a program 
um, through monies that were given to a program based on issues that facilities had. So, you know, they went, it went into a fund and then they allocated those funds to facilities to acquire devices, but it still wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough. And the staffing was an issue. So I'm curious about how that happened because at your, at your campus, because, you know, many buildings just didn't have the staff Mm-hmm. to have people have those regular interactions. So yeah. how, did, how did you guys manage that? That leads right into um, one of the first tools that, that I thought we could chat about, um, which was an online scheduling and booking system. So let me first address um, the technology. You're right. We, we did some of our own campaigning um, locally. Our, um, our community foundation supported the purchase of some of these tablets um, we also did an Amazon Smile campaign um, and, and asked just our community to step up and purchase, um, whether it was holders or um, cases for them or the actual tablet. And so we were able to obtain about 40 uh, tablets that we assigned to each building. And with that, what we found was we used an online booking system. And actually this didn't cost us anything. It wasn't custom software. We just kind of found a a workaround and a creative way to utilize the Microsoft Office 365 booking system um, for families to book online these visits. So when you mentioned about um, staff, staffing is an issue for everyone, especially during this time. And I can give you an example. I know because I was managing it, Like over a random weekend, we had 100, I think it was 103, it was just over 100 different bookings that happened online where just like when you book for your hair appointment, you get the reminder, the other person on the other side gets the reminder. We had it all set up so that if you imagine 103, what would have been phone calls and calls to the unit and, hey, can you take a tablet down and what's going on? We set this up early on um, and we were able to manage hundreds of video visits using just the 40 tablets that we had because families could go on, they would book. We, the visit was about 15 minutes. We felt as though that was about the appropriate time given our audience, um, the, the, our residents and our elders. More than 15 minutes was a little long when you're first learning how to, how to interact on, on you know, FaceTime. Um, so, so what we did was we just had ongoing all day long and into the evenings. And what we would do is the families would get notifications. They could cancel right online. We would know in advance if they canceled, we would have that resident prepped and ready to go. The tablets would be there because everyone internally who needed to be a player in that got notification. And we really saw a pretty seamless, um, seamless execution. And, um, and, and at any given time, there were, there were hundreds of visits going on um, across our campus. So, on a given how, week. So, so how was that accomplished considering the staffing? So what would happen, because nobody really needed to manage the communication, the booking of it, the rescheduling, any of that, what would happen is families would book online. They'd book for that time frame. We also realized, Phyllis, that this, this really met Um, families where they were at. This is how our audience of of children and grandchildren, they don't want to call in. They don't want to schedule an appointment. They want to book it online. 
if they if they need to cancel within 24 hours um, left, they can cancel it. It cancels it off our schedule. And what we did was we made calendars show up on everyone's, um, our life enrichment team received the notifications. They'd received the notification two hours beforehand. They would go to the station we had set up where the tablets were. They would grab a tablet, bring it down there, make sure the resident was set. And, um, and we really eliminated a lot of that middleman booking piece. Mm. And not only um, did it make for us to be efficient with our tablets, because everyone knew on that calendar, somebody ran over, you knew where you could stop by, what room, grab that tablet or wait for it and you know wrap things up. So it really allowed us to be efficient with the resources we had because we only had 40 of them. But on top of that, our front desk was able to do what they normally do. They weren't sitting and taking calls. They, um, and this overflowed into those, we did some safe space visits and tents and window visits. We decided because it was so successful that we overflowed that right on in that booking system right into those visits. Oh, that's, that's interesting that you were able yep. to do that. Yeah. And so by using a tool that most offices and most organizations already have, we are now, um, we have, it has propelled us to use it for our volunteering. People book their volunteer time. It goes, a notification goes off. They can cancel. They can do whatever. Um, you know, we verify it through email or text. And, um, and it just really something that used to be a pick up the phone, call our volunteers. Let's sit with a big schedule. When are things happening? Our life enrichment team hops on and says, I need three volunteers for this activity that's going on. They put it out there. We send out an email and, and people can sign up. So, um, so it's been interesting seeing how that has now evolved. Uh, we do still have our online visits because what we realized was because of that efficiency and because of those tools and resources through COVID, I have four examples here actually right in front of me that I reached out and asked um, how things were going from across the country. We have people wow. all over the country doing video visits on a regular basis now. Grandma, we have a video actually, grandma um, was part of a two-year-old's birthday party down in Texas and we're in Wisconsin. Oh, that's fantastic. On that yeah. note, we're going to take a short break and then when we, uh, we come back, we'll continue this because this is just so valuable. It's phenomenal what you're doing, but I hope it will give other people ideas about what they could do in their communities uh, yeah. or in their facility or if their facility or community where their loved one resides doesn't have this, hopefully they could get an idea of, you know, of course, I'll ask you for your contact information before yes. we end so that if people want to reach out to you, find out more information and, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe they could go to the administrator of their building or their person, their social worker and say, listen, I heard about using this online platform maybe you want to look into it to to help us here in this building so we'll be right back on senior straight talk this is just terrific carrie um we'll be right back in a few have you friended us on facebook yet why not just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice America talk radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. 
Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high-quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. All of Community Services is a 501c3 that provides culturally appropriate services to seniors, their family, and the community. Through their interactive programs, Olive engages participants physically and mentally with a focus on building strength, mobility, and mental health. To learn more, get involved, or make a donation, visit olivecs.org. Together, let's live, learn, and thrive. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the host at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now, back to Senior Straight Talk. Hi, welcome back to Senior Straight Talk. I'm here with Carrie Kikafer from Miravita Living, and um, it's a wonderful senior, uh, a wonderful continuing care community. Mm-hmm. that has many different levels, uh, including, and I have to just say it, I'm sorry, Carrie, including <laughs> to greenhouse homes, because that is my passion. Yeah, um, you can say it. We're proud of it, too. <laughs> uh, so we were, before we left uh, for break, you were talking about uh, examples that you had across the country and this wonderful scheduling system you set up and so do you want to share what some of those examples were before we go on to talk about some of the other wonderful things that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll give you one specific little story, which was just just cute. So um, this one family lives in Texas. And uh, if you remember, I, I don't expect you to, but there was some snow. Texas had some snow this last yeah. year. Yes, yes, and, they did. Um, Right, they were freezing in Texas. They were, they were, and in Wisconsin here, we were just um, giggling a little bit because we we saw some pictures, and there, um, what they consider a lot of snow, um, is really a dusting around here. <laughs> and I can tell you that I know that because I did my master's at the University of Wisconsin Madison, so I'm very aware of the weather conditions in Wisconsin. Yes, you are. You are. Um, so, so one of the, the opportunities um, that our technology and our tools gives is, and we can, we can jump to this, it'll kind of lead us into one of the other tools that we implemented, um, was families were able to not only send emails um, and send uh, pictures, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more specifically about that, but they were able to upload videos um, for our residents to enjoy and um, to participate in what was going on. And so we kind of saw that as, oh, just give us snippets of, of what's going on. And families, it really took off. Families saw it as a chance for, um, for videos to be sent when 
in the moment, there were experiences that were happening that were fun and exciting. So we saw two great grandchildren sledding in Texas for the first time ever. And, um, and they sent those pictures and those videos, they uploaded them to our website and um, using technology and, and tablets, we went ahead and we were able to share those um, with the resident. So we saw some of that. We also saw uh, some grandchildren who were on campuses and of course weren't coming home. Had they come home, they couldn't have visited anyway, but um, over the, the holidays, in particular, or for those milestone moments. So, you know, there was graduations um, that, that residents got to participate in because there was videos going on, things happening. Some was scheduled. Sometimes um, something was recorded and just sent. And one of the interesting things about this is we noticed that there was a, a generation who is so comfortable with a selfie and a video, sending a video, that we were seeing, we saw quite a few college age um, students uh, kind of in that range sending video clips to their grandparents. And we like to think we had not seen an influx uh, over the years of this age group sitting down and writing a handwritten note to their grandparents, right? That, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of gone. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to teach my kids where the stamp goes. Um, <laughs> yeah, they just don't communicate that way. And so we recognized this was such an awesome opportunity to put um, to put that audience on a platform they're very comfortable with. I mean, they know how to do the quick record and all they do is send it off and it would upload. And, and I can talk a little bit more about how that technology worked, but, um, and now these family members, these residents and elders are able to sit and watch and see, um, there was a, a darling student down in um, Arizona and she would consistently send a message to her grandpa. And it was just a very selfie oriented one. Hey, grandpa, how are you doing? She'd tell him what she did that week and she'd hit send and send it off. But the ease of communication for her um, is what we realized if we met her where she was at, we were able to deliver to the needs of our residents. I think that is phenomenal. And it goes back to what I said initially, which is serving the family and their needs, not just the person in the community. And yes. I, I think that's an important mindset shift mm -hmm. because probably more often than not, people believe or feel that they're serving the person or caring for the person or meeting the needs of the person in their facility, in their community, in their assisted living, wherever it is, and not really thinking about how they're serving that family's needs. Yep, and you're absolutely right. That to me is terrific that you, you guys put that together in that yep. way because yeah. the family, I don't, I've been saying this for a very long time when um, a lot of people know this, that when their loved one moves into an assisted living or a nursing home, that the advocacy doesn't end. But um, <clears throat> many people do not. But mm -hmm. I'm wondering, and many people maybe, especially I'd say in skilled nursing, maybe depending on the situation, don't are are, are um, I don't want to say don't want that, but are, are not trying to cultivate that depending on the situation. I'm not saying no because there's a lot of nuance to that. 
But I think if we think of the family member or loved ones or friends as a partner in this process, in this care process, that could probably enrich it so much more. Mm -hmm. That's a great word, enrich. And because they love, they love their grandma. They love their mom. That's, that's not um, in question, but how do we enrich and serve those families to be able to deliver that message of love? And, you know, so this video experience that I was talking about, um, it, it actually falls under what I call our electronic messaging via the website. And so we implemented both um, opportunities to upload video and to email, send emails and attach pictures. Um, and it was, it was an overwhelming success. When we saw that we gave them, again, as I said, people aren't pulling out their pen and paper. They're just not getting a picture printed and sending it to their loved one in our, you know, at, in one of our um, buildings. But when we gave them the opportunity to grab something from their photo gallery on their phone and type a quick message, we printed all of those. And in a year's time, we had over 3000 messages with images that came through and we printed and delivered to our residents. So, so I Go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, because I I assure you, we would not have received 3,000 pieces of mail that would have came through. So I just thought of something, and maybe you've already done this. I don't know. But um, I'm sure from our last conversation, you know, I I come up with ideas based on what you've done. Um, Yep. So I'm not um, I'm not saying that you haven't done that or haven't thought about it. Maybe you did do it. But since you printed them out, could you make or did you make a scrapbook? Well, you know, I don't know if the listener, well, most of the listeners, if they're of a certain age, know what a scrapbook is. I don't know if people of a different age know what a scrapbook is anymore, but <laughs> uh, a scrapbook of these images so that uh, the person, the resident, mm-hmm. when, whenever they'd like, if they don't have access to that tablet, whatever, they could actually have a book Mm-hmm. that they could look through with the messages and the pictures whenever they wanted to. So they could be connected in a way and that could yeah. really fill them up emotionally. So they you don't know, feel I, so isolated. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause there is no reason we, we still have all of them. And what we would do is we take the message and we did print them and they all have bulletin boards. And so we would put them up on the bulletin board for them so they could read them over and over again. But but to organize it in a scrapbook manner really speaks to um, there's ease of, of chronological order, what things are happening, um, knowing the dates of things. I It, it was such an honor to print because um, I would print them and then our life enrichment team would deliver them. They do a mail walk every day and, and deliver all of these. Um, how many new babies were born and how many pictures of, of funny things and, and pets and silliness. And it really bridged that gap of home because our residents also not only were people not coming in but they weren't going out and going right. to the home of their, right of right. families and so to be able to see that um was so critical and I love your idea of um yeah I need to give some thought to how that could happen yeah because putting them, on a, putting them on a bulletin board it 
depends where their bed is. If they're in a wheelchair, they might not be able to see it or they can glance up and see it and mm-hmm. maybe they look at it and that's nice because it's on the bulletin board. But if it was, even if it was five pages, even if it was put together with a stapler, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. Yeah. Um, I mean, that could be, or even, well, a folder would be a little more difficult because the pages might fall out, but even a stapler. So that yeah. at their bedside or in their drawer and whenever they felt, had that pang or loneliness or wanted to, they were thinking about their loved one, their granddaughter or, or grandchild or nephew or niece or whoever it is, they could pull yeah. that out and look at the picture with a little message. And that could really um provide, I think, tremendous emotional fulfillment at that moment. Yep. I like that because who doesn't love looking through an old photo album or scrapbook, right? I mean, even you and I, that there's there's joy in that. Right. So like I have a gazillion pictures on my phone. Um, Of course, when I go back to look for something, I have to look through all of these pictures, but um, I haven't eliminated them. I have them on my phone and every once in a while I do go through, I say, oh, look at that. Actually, you do have Facebook does every once in a while alert you. This happened five years ago on this day, three years ago. And when it pops up on your feed, you go, oh, my God, look at that. Yeah, I remember where I was or I forgot about that. And it's nice to see it. It brings you joy for that moment, especially if it was a good experience, hopefully. So so this could be a one kind of that version of that. Yeah, but, but the person has control over it rather mm-hmm. than it popping up on their feed. They have control when they look at it. So yeah, it, it presents like a tremendous sense of autonomy and independence with mm-hmm. that connection. They're not relegated to whenever the tablet comes and the person comes to print it out and give it to them. Yep. yep. The, you're right. To put the ownership back on them. It's theirs. It's their mail. It's, it's there. So I like that. I really like that. And, um, you know, just to, to give just a quick shout out of the ease of this, it really was just a matter of manipulating a form on our website um, and allowing for people to atta- make an attachment and send it and getting it sent. And we came up with an internal process of once a day, printing them out, that sort of thing. And as far as the videos go, the video upload, we did a Google form because Google um, Google Drive is just a really easy, inexpensive place to store video. Um, Actually, we learned that the hard way. I learned that the hard way and I should have known, but we let people upload videos to start just on our website and then realized our server space was none. Um, (laughs) Not up to snuff. No. And so, um, so we moved that, we moved that piece over to a Google form. But again, all of these things are very inexpensive, but really technological tools that that give um, families and friends and the community the opportunity to reach our elders. Um, you know, like you said, we've got to listen to where they're at as well. So that was um, that was one piece, the, the electronic messaging via our website where we're printing and offering videos. But one other area that we addressed, oh, go ahead. No, no, yes, I, I, I was uh, thinking about the next area, go ahead. Yeah, the community calendars. Right. So I'm going to just give a little background on this. One thing that we notice by doing our social listening um, and just really paying attention to what our families were hearing and what they were understanding, even though we were very transparent, our website still has since March of 2020. We, I mean, all of our communications, you can find them on there. Everyone was, was um, 
it was it's available to everyone. But we noticed the narrative that was being created in the heads of our loved ones, family, friends, and the larger community. It was this idea that our residents were in their rooms, stuck there by themselves without any um, interaction at all. And, and that's scary. That really created a lot of fear and for good reason. And so as we looked at that and we tried to rewrite that narrative, we tried to write it in letters, we tried to create there. We recognized that the best way or what we thought was to create community calendars that were online because no one was coming in anymore to see right. those printed out calendars, right? Oh, mom has this and this and this to go to today. This is happening. This is the menu. So what we did was we made online calendars. And in those um, online calendars, we also integrated our YouTube channel. We started doing a lot of live YouTube. And whether that was a cooking show, whether it was worship, hymn sing-alongs, those sort of things, we created a link right there. So families not only could see what their loved ones were doing, but they could participate, watch it with their family member, and it gave them opportunity for something to talk about. Awesome. We also wanted to engage and create a platform for conversation. Because when you're living kind of those separate lives, it's hard. It's hard to come up with something to talk about every day. But by creating these community calendars, it connected um, the resident to others in the community. Um, next door, they were all watching things together, participating in things together, worshiping together. But it connected families. It created a platform for conversation. And it also gave them, brought them back to being able to worship with one another or participate in the evening happy hour, whatever it was on that calendar, if we could access it and provide a live feed to it, we did. And that really was successful. So I have a, I wonder if you did anything like this. Um, I, I think I've seen it done in one or two places. And I wondered why more people didn't do it. And maybe there are reasons why it can't be done. So I'm asking you because you may tell me why it could not be done. <laughs> um, but I always thought that if people were in their doorways in a hallway, that you could do a sing-along, you could do. And so people could see each other and yet still be socially safely distant. Um, you could do a sing-along. You could still do, you know, word games. You could still do exercise in actuality, if every, you know, people are in their doorways, they're six feet apart. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that they could see each other, and they can engage a little bit through conversation across a doorway or whatever, um, but also have movement or enjoying something with other people. So mm -hmm. is that something that you did? Or is it something that's a possibility? Or are there reasons that it can't shouldn't or couldn't be done? No, at different times of the pandemic, um, based on outbreaks and things like that, there was um, droplet precautions, those sort of things that limited us to that. But you're, you're spot on. Um, what we did, we not only did hallway bingo was a thing. Um, everybody came to their door. We set up a little table and we would yell. We'd have the microphone and stuff and they would, um, our life enrichment team is awesome. And they would um, do hallway bingo. But what we found was, for this audience, we really sat down, our leadership team met um, a lot to talk about where are additional gaps that we think we can fill. And one of them fills is exactly what you're saying. We did meals where they sat at their doorway because although it was difficult to talk a little bit because you are six feet apart, 
if you envision, I always picture back, you know, when somebody, I'm, I grew up or near a, in a farming community. So I pictured these long farm tables where people sat together and we created the best we could, almost that farm table idea of, of people coming together to, um, to enjoy their dining experience because meals are so important. They're so important to that generation. And they, they all, they should be, right? I mean, that's one of the things that are, we, I wish I could tell the world, we all need to sit down and just eat together. Well, um, I think that's part of a lot of our family memories. I actually yes. have said many times, if you think about when we first bond as infants, mm-hmm. what do we bond over? We bond over feeding, right? Yeah. Our parent or whomever, loved one holds us in their arms or whomever it is, even if it's mm-hmm. in, in a, even if it's a baby in, a, in, a, um, in an ICU, whatever, you yeah. know, a, a nurse or someone is holding that baby and feeding them with a bottle very often. And so we first bond around food and eating. And many of our experiences and our memories have to do with eating, whether it's Sunday dinners, holiday dinners, and some of them aren't the best memories. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure every family has those, but the reality is it is still part of that experience and it's still part of an experience of coming together. So mealtime is a very important time Mm -hmm. for bonding and for connection. You said that so much better than I could have because you're right. That is exactly um, that you, you hit the perfect words, coming together, experiences, that bonding, those memories, um, those are really important. So we did, we did do some of that uh, when we could. Like I said, there was some, some challenges when, when we had some outbreaks and stuff, but for the most part, we accessed that hallway as often as possible. And I um, love the um, metaphor you used of farm table, because for those listeners who are not familiar with restaurants that are farm table. They have Mm -hmm. that uh, atmosphere. So I've been to several of these restaurants in different parts of the country, um, Boston and and Wisconsin and a few other places. So Mm -hmm. it's a farm table concept, right? So it's a a long table and you sit down next to strangers. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, in all likelihood, you strike up conversations. So I just had, I was away working in a facility um, for a few days, upstate New York. And um, it's it's kind of a similar concept. So I, uh, there was only a seat at the bar in this restaurant. So I said, okay, I I was hungry, so I sat at the bar. And um, before you knew it, a couple sat down and there was a couple next to me, but they left and we started talking across the way. So I moved closer to them. And then another couple came in and they moved. They sat next to me. Well, we all started talking. Then there were two other women who came before, you know, it it was that farm table atmosphere. And the couple next to me, they lived in many countries around the world. We connected on LinkedIn. He connected with me two days later and invited me to Dubai for the World, <laughs> for the world Expo in, in the next winter. And the other couple, they were more local, but they moved here from other states in the country. And uh, we connected and exchanged phone numbers. So it's that same kind of thing that mm-hmm. connections happen. Around, and it was around food. Yep. It was around yep. food. 
And that's so important. So I'm glad that you use that farm table analogy because that's exactly what that is. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it, it was like you said, that's, that's what our elders deserve too, is that opportunity, even in these challenges. And, and I think one of the things you and I chatted about this a little bit is, so the implementation of these tools and, and, I'd be happy to talk about there, you know, a few other ones. The, these are some, some highlights of things that we did that were successful. You know, we did trial and error too. We, we did some and they didn't go. And then we did some other ones and they organically evolved. We have a news from home um, YouTube live now that is really just our residents love. Their families submit things. They submit things. They see what one another is doing. Um, so we're connecting them. But one of the things that it has done is it's introduced our elders to technology. And we're trying to use that to propel um, some opportunities. And one of them is we are doing a travel um, with wonder, a travel around the world. And each week, um, our life enrichment team is amazing. And they are putting together travel, um, a, a travel experience and they're using VR class goggles. And, um, and actually, Yesterday, we did one, yesterday was, um, or I'm sorry, Tuesday, was France. And our life enrichment coordinator just said, I want to make sure we're, our, our residents are getting what they want. So I'm going to do a 360 tour up on screen instead of the VR goggles. Because if they make them uncomfortable, I, you know, we don't need to use them, but we just, we wanted to introduce them. And they're about week three or four right now. And she asked afterwards, and once you know, every single person wanted to use the VR goggles where they oh. could move around and manipulate. So two things. I mean, I think it's a good reminder that we should always be asking our residents, what do they right. want? Um, but also it just speaks to this COVID experience. I mean, we had these goggles for a while. They were a beautiful donation and we tried to introduce them multiple times and there was just discomfort, but they really um, became, became more comfortable with the idea of learning technology. And so here they are traveling around. They were walking a couple of weeks ago, walking the Great Wall of China um, with their VR goggles. And, um, and it, it's just, it's good. So I think seeking opportunity and looking and asking the questions of where they're comfortable now, what, what can we do next? Um, because of this, let's take something away from it is where we're headed. I think that's, um, I think that's phenomenal because like we said, it's, it's really about the resident. It's really about the resident. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. on that note, I just want to ask you before we end, if you want to uh, provide any contact information or any information about Maravita Living or uh, any social media contacts for listeners, if they want to get in touch with you or find out more about Maravita Living, you may have a long waiting list. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Um, yeah, when we can come together and, and serve this population, um, yeah, that's what it's about. So I would love to. As, um, as Phil said, my name is Carrie Keycaper, miravitaliving.com. Is, um, is really the place you need to go. My, my email link is on there and, um, and certainly just a, a direct access. And then also all of our social media links are on there. But miravitaliving.com is probably the easiest way because my last name's a little challenging to spell. <laughs> it's challenging to spell, but do you want to say it again? I would. It's Carrie Keycaper. And my direct email is C Keycaper, which is C-K-I-E-K-H-A-E-F-E-R at Miravita Living. 
Well, thanks so much, Carrie. This is it was delight meeting you by phone last week, and I'm so glad we had the opportunity to do this today. I appreciate you accommodating my schedule a little bit because <laughs> I was traveling, so it really worked out. And I mean, you're doing wonderful work at Mira Vida Living, and I hope the listeners really learned a lot about the possibilities mm-hmm. for their communities or their assist, their nursing facilities. Um, if they're working in those, you know, those buildings as professionals, but if they're family members, maybe they could go to their, their administrator, or their social worker, or the person in charge of recreation and ask about some of these programs, because as we know, the, the isolation and the loneliness are, are devastating, um, not mm-hmm. only for people living in communities, but for people in their homes. So this yeah. is this is really terrific. So thanks so much for taking the time today and for the enlightening conversation. Oh, thanks for having me. This was wonderful. And you're doing such wonderful work. I'm proud to be able to share it with the listeners. So nice. at this juncture, I'm signing off. It's I have to say, I hope you join me next time uh, for another episode of Senior Straight Talk for more informative conversations for the senior years of your lives. And remember to like click and share the episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your host, Phyllis Amon, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms. 